0: Hello listeners, welcome back to Heart and Soul Gospel Ministries, Unity in Christ program. If this is your first time listening, my name is Christine Kim, and I'm the host of this program. If you could describe the people in the Bible in one word, how would you describe them? When describing Abraham, I think many people will think of the word faith or perhaps obedience. For Joshua, it may be battle or victory. Then for Joseph, what would be some of the words that come to mind to describe him? Some people might think of governor or terms that might relate to success. But when I think of Joseph, I think of words such as hardship, suffering, false accusation. From a very young age, being sold by his brothers, he went around to many different places, alone, like an orphan. I've heard Joseph's story countless times since I was very young, so hearing a story one more time didn't bring me any excitement or inspiration. But just a few weeks ago, as I was reading Genesis, I meditated very carefully about the life of Joseph and thought about all the tears he shed and sufferings he went through alone, and it brought some sadness to my heart. Would there have been anyone out there that suffered from the young age of Joseph, alone, through all the ups and downs that life brought him? As we all know, Joseph spent his childhood years blessed as he received especial special love from his father Jacob but that was only a short period as he was sold as a slave into Egypt, where his hardship begins. His own brothers planned to kill him, threw him into a cistern, and in the end, sold him into slavery. Living as a slave, his life was fairly manageable, but then Potiphar's wife brings him trouble. He rejects her temptations and was falsely accused and sent to prison. But going through all this, the Bible says Joseph succeeded and all he did. This wasn't even later when he becomes governor of Egypt. This was when he was sold by the hands of his own brothers to a faraway land from home, after being falsely accused and put into prison. The Bible says the Lord gave him success in everything he did. It says in Genesis chapter thirty-nine, verse one through two, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did, as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. But in the same chapter in verses 20-23, through it says, So he took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and cost everything he did to succeed.
1: From wherever you've been, come broken hearted, let the rescue begin. Come find your mercy, oh sinner, come kneel. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. So lay down your blood. Let There's hope for the hopeless, and all those who've strayed. Come sit at the table, come taste the grace. There's rest for the weary, rest that endures. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can cure. So lay.
0: world defines success as living a good life or for all to go well as planned. But if we apply this definition to Joseph's life, he wasn't successful at all. Being hated and despised by his brothers, sold as a slave into Egypt, the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. During serving, Potiphar's wife tried to deceive Joseph and gave him into temptation but he rejected and later falsely accused and put into prison and even then the bible says the lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed what is the meaning of success that the bible refers to it doesn't seem anywhere close to the same definition that this world provides the bible is telling us that success means that the lord will be together with us and that is no matter what situation or circumstances I may be in. Thinking deeply into this, being successful is for God's will to be done under his providence. If you think about God's bigger plan for Joseph, through his sufferings and hardships, God was preparing him to be the governor of Egypt. But Joseph probably did not understand everything that had happened to him in that moment in time. But we see the goodness in God as he was always together with Joseph every step of the way, drawing the bigger picture for us to see. Every moment of our life is like a piece to a puzzle. Although we may not be able to see the final masterpiece and may not be able to understand the situation we may be in now, when we see the bigger picture he has drawn out for us, we will have nothing else to confess except that he is good. Whatever the circumstances may be, No matter how hard it may be, if God is with us through it all, then we have succeeded in all that we have done and all that we will do. Coming up next is a sermon by Pastor Mark Martin of Calvary Community Church of Phoenix, Arizona. Today's topic is Practicing to Love, Part 1, based on the scriptures of 1 John 3, verse 19 through 24. I hope you have a blessed time as you join Pastor Mark Martin. 1
2: John chapter 3 tells us what characterizes us as children of God. Just a little bit of review. Basically, as we grow up, we're going to begin to act more and more like our daddy. We're going to act like our father in heaven. Verse 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not appeared as yet what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him just as he is. We've reviewed this. Though we're not sinless, we what? Sinless. That's right. That's verses 6 through 9. Another characteristic of God's children is that they love one another. Verses 10 through 18, we were looking at that last time. Little children, it's summarized, verses 10 through 18. Summarized in verse 18. Little children, read with me. Verse 18. Little children, let us not love with word or tongue, but in deed and truth. In other words, let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. And this will also put our consciences to rest, is what we're going to see. If we practice real love, if Jesus' life is living through us, then we're going to have a peace in conscience as well. The reality check is this. Do we really practice loving one another? That's what John has been saying. Verse 10, by by this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who doesn't practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning. That's from the beginning of the preaching of the gospel, that we should love one another. Not as Cain who was of the evil one and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Remember, the first murder was a religious murder. It was over religious argument. It was over Cain's jealousy of Abel's sacrifice and spiritual success. Do not marvel, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we, what? Love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Whoever has the world's goods and beholds his brother in need and closes his heart to him, how does the love of God... Abide in him. The reality check, John says, do you really practice loving one another? Authentic Christians repeatedly, habitually, try to get better and better at loving one another. We're trying to get it right, okay? Maybe I blow it one time, but I'm gonna get another chance at loving my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm gonna get this down. I'm gonna practice to love my brothers and sisters in Christ that may mean the person you're married to you know it's always easier to think of loving your brothers and sisters in Christ isn't it you know you you just don't think of your spouse as a Christian brother or sister you know that's the person that just is supposed to put up with me but really all of this applies to our marriages to our children children to our parents This is the sign of authentic Christianity. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this will all men know that you are my disciples because you love one another. In John 15, verses 12 through 14, Jesus said, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And in 1 Thessalonians three twelve, the apostle Paul prays, and may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another. Peter tells us, I want you to, twice in 1 Peter, he says, I want you to fervently love one another. That speaks of being hot-hearted, a hot flame of love burning for one another. Now, it's one thing to say love one another, but what does it look like practically? And I thought, well, I'll give you some, some ideas. And these are all found in the Scripture. I'm not going to give you a Scripture reference for each one, though every single one of them has a Scripture reference. I just want to give you the idea, and I want you to hear, and maybe think, I was going to do this, but I'm not going to do it. But I was thinking, how many, when you hear it, do you think, yeah, that, that, that really appeals to me? Or that is really something the Lord's put in my heart. But I'm not going to have you raise your hand because it'd be up and down a lot. It might get to feeling goofy. But in your heart, you can raise your hand up and down, okay? But we live out our love for one another by, top of the list, praying for one another. The Bible says pray. These are all the things that the Bible says that we should do for one another. Pray for one another. One of the best ways that, and it's hard to not love somebody you pray for. Let me put it this way. It's hard to hate anybody that you pray for. And so if, you know, you're near that, that edge of getting near to de- despising someone, they've hurt you, etc., cetera, you know, all that stuff, then begin to pray for them. Pray God's blessing. Pray, pray that God would just work his will in their lives. You just can't do that and fall over the edge of hate because hate will always hurt you and it'll chain you to the person that you, you really don't want to be chained to. Pray for one another. Greet one another. Four times at least in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul admonishes us to greet one another. I love that. I can do, My hand's up on that one. And I, I, I like that. I like to hang around and say hi and hello. And just that, that time that we have with one another before and after services, and, and when you see somebody on the freeway with your Calvary decal, or you see somebody in the store that you recognize, and you say hi. You don't go, well, I don't want to say. Say hi to me if you see me. That's, that's biblical, and it's a form of loving one another. Be friendly. Greet one another. It says give each other a holy kiss, but it's a cultural thing that doesn't translate the same. Be devoted to one another. Be devoted to one another. When we think of devotion, I think of... The idea of spending time, I think of putting value in somebody, I think of hanging with and around, and, and so the Lord says, be devoted to one another. Your brothers and sisters in Christ are more important than other relationships, because they're eternal relationships. And just like we talk about, well, there's family, there's my, the Lord, there's my, my spouse, there's my children, there's my church. Well, within your church family, the church is before the world. It's okay for us to say that. That's, that's a godly, that is really godly. Be devoted to one another. And that's, that's an act of love. That's the way we show our love. I give preference to one another. And, and you can generally tell Christian crowds from non-Christian crowds because they are giving preference to one another. Sometimes it's hard to get out of a parking lot because people are just too nice to one another, right? Oh, no, you go first. No, you. No, you. No, 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 no. No, but you have right away. I mean, no, 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 really. You know, and it's like, would somebody please move? But there is this deferring to one another, giving preference. No, you. You know, I, you're, you, 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 I'd rather have you go I'd rather have you have than me. That's, that's the idea of preference, putting one another first. Putting somebody before yourself. Whoa, isn't that different than the world? Who does the world say to put number one? You know, all the books, all the shows on television, all the self-help stuff is, hey, you ought to take care of yourself. But the Bible says the way to really have a fruitful life and a happy life and fulfilled life is to take care of others. And to put other people first. That's the way of the master. That's the way of Jesus. Live in harmony with one another. The Bible tells us to live harmoniously with one another. We don't all have to sound the same. If, how many of you know something about music? <laughs> okay. How many of you like music? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and when we have music, we realize that it's not all just one note, but there, there are variations of notes to make chords and they harmonize and they sound good. And so we don't have to be all the same note. We're not all C's, we're not all E's, we're not all G's, but you put us together C-E-G, it sounds really great. And, and the same, you know, God will put us together in harmony. And there's nothing like hearing many people singing, living in harmony. Okay. I also want to make sure that you know, if everybody else is singing <laughs> I, wonder, I remember one time I went to a big church here in town and they were having a, um, a program, and the kids were singing, and, and they had all the cameras on, and they were videotaping it for television broadcast later. And it was uh, just a sweet children's choir, huge children's choir. And the choir was beautiful every, and it's going along all except for one little guy. Who? Everybody was singing, ah, da, 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 and he was, ah, 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 you know, it was just like, ah, and he was right near a mic, and we never saw that on TV. The whole thing was like scrapped, you know, because of one person singing out of harmony. It was cute, but it was kind of sad at the same time, but when you grow up, it's not cute anymore. People think, You know, there's something wrong. So if you're the only one singing on that and it doesn't sound good with all the other brothers and sisters, chances are it's not everybody else singing the wrong note. Then the Bible says that we ought to build one another up. And this is another really cool way to show our love for one another. Because he says, look, practice it. Practice love. And so it's one thing for, I know we think, okay, love. And it's just like love, L-U-V, you know, love. So how do we do it? How do I do love? How do I love? How do I practice to love? Because you have to almost say it differently. To get love. We can just say love one another. Okay, but I don't get that anymore. How do I practice to love? Okay, by building one another up. When you see somebody, you go, hey, you know, you're a blessing to me. You see somebody and you encourage them in the Lord. Maybe you've read a verse and, and you just feel like you're just being friends. Really, frankly, the greeting one another is building somebody up. Oh, there's so many ways that you can build people up. Give them a phone call if you haven't seen them. Let them know that you miss them. Give a card to them. Somebody's grieving like we hear. Send a note to the church. You know, there's just so many ways to build one another up. Don't get tired ever of doing that. And people are drawn to people who build them up. So, you'll find yourself also being encouraged because you encourage other people. Accept one another. Accept one another. That's ACC, not EX. Accept one another. We're not all going to be the same, and we're going to have, you know, our various backgrounds, and somebody's not going to dress the way you like, or somebody's not going to talk. You know, we're all coming in at different stages into this Jesus experience. So, We have to have a whole lot of acceptance. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't any standards. and There aren't any, you know, there's no kind of a common basis for for what we all kind of agree on. But there's a whole lot of room for us to not be judging one another. So we just kind of have to back off a little and and be very accepting, like we would want to be accepted. Admonish and warn one another. Now, this kind of is... The other side of things, there is a time when the most loving thing you can do to somebody is say, whoa, you got to watch out because if you continue the way you're heading, you're going to crash. It's going to mess your life up. I just want to encourage it. You, know, you, you do this and generally, you, know, you kind of earn the right in someone's life to say that, but it is a loving thing to warn. And uh, you want to do it with love and do it in gentleness and meekness, considering yourself, because it could be you that somebody might want to warn about something. But just be careful about that, that we don't offend as we warn. Because if, do, if you don't do warning the right way, then people won't heed you because they're offended by you. You know what I'm saying? Those, you'll be the reason, well, they were so rude to me. And, you know, you just want to get you out of the way so it's really just the Lord and the issue and not the messenger. Wait. Wait for one another. There was the issue in the New Testament church where they were all uh, getting together and and some people got off work later. This is kind of a paraphrase of it, but it's really what it was. And they were having the Lord's Supper and not waiting for one another. And the Apostle Paul admonishes the the Corinthians. He says, look, you should wait for one another. And there's times when I know we want to race on in doing something And we get impatient because maybe a brother or sister in Christ is a little slower, but we do kind of have to slow down our walk sometimes for the younger ones, don't we? Anybody who has a bigger family, you know that you just can't take your giant strides. Sometimes you have to go the pace of the youngest. But that's the loving thing to do. And so we slow down a little. I'm not being fed. These things are basic. Wah, wah, wah. You are being fed. You're just not getting, you know, something with a fancy French name on it. It's hamburger. You know what I'm saying? It's okay. You don't have to have filet mignon every, every night. Okay, I'm not saying that about tonight. Of course, I'm feeding you. Caring for one another. I love to look out at the church and see how there'll be different groups in the church. Find out of needs that people have, and, and they'll go, and I, I think of one, one person, their uh, home was devastated, and, and a whole Sunday school class went in, and they, they redid the whole thing for them. I was just, from top to bottom, I mean, it was like one of those TV remodel shows you'd see. You never heard a word about it, but it, it was caring that went on. There's caring going on all the time, and as we feed those who don't have enough food, as we care for others' needs, and, you know, we just don't... Blow the horn every time it happens, but it's happening all the time in our church. And among, you know, we just never hear. We don't know all of the stories about how people have cared for one another. Hospital visits, the prayers that go on, the flowers that go out, people who go and wait and for other people and babysit their kids so that they can do something. I mean, it's just sweet. And that's the way you, you show love. It's practical, right? Serving one another, being patient with one another, bearing one another's burdens, being kind to one another, sharing songs with one another, the Bible says, is another way that we show love. Just singing together is expressing love, the Bible says. Comforting one another, submitting to one another, living in peace with one another, confessing our sins to one another, being hospitable to one another. You want to come over to my house? Can I come over to your house? Want to go out to eat? That's hospitality. That's biblical. I can get into that. Amen. Fellowshipping with one another. Now, there are some things that the New Testament tells us not to practice. It says, don't lie to one another. See, lying breaks trust, doesn't it? It takes a long time to build trust back once it's been broken down. Don't lie to one another. Don't bite and devour one another. Don't be a Christian piranha. You know, that little symbol on the back of a car is not a piranha. Don't envy one another. Oh, look what, look what she has. Look what he's driving. Look where they live. Oh man, look at their job. Look at their income. Look at their, say, don't envy one another. Again, it goes back to what we're constantly talking about that God has a purpose for me. God has a plan for me. God's intentions for me are good. I'm going to be happy with that because I know I'm loved. I know I'm right where God wants me to be, not somewhere else. And heaven's my home eventually anyway. Heaven's heaven's a destination. And in heaven again, the streets are gold. Gold is asphalt in heaven. It's not particularly valuable in God's sight. You know what I'm saying? Don't sue one another the Bible says. Christians shouldn't sue one another. Don't irritate one another. Don't gossip or speak against one another. And we could be looking at all these, everything I'm saying, every single thing, there is at least one or more verses in the New Testament teaching these things. So, I mean, this is just the overview. I'm not giving you the references. You've got the computer software. You can do it yourself. Don't gossip. Don't speak against or speak evil of one another. And when we live this way, we're free from self condemnation and the accusations of a guilty conscience. Verse 18, little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth.
3: as the ocean, loving kindness as the flood, when the Prince of life, our ransom, shed for us His precious
4: blood.
3: When the God's mercy, flow of vast and gracious tide. Grace and love like mighty rivers, born in tears from above. Heaven's peace and perfect justice justice, still the guilty world in love.
0: The Gospel Ministry is looking for volunteers in tech editing to ensure the quality of the broadcast and the addition of more encouraging and empowering programs. Volunteer hours are three hours a week, and anyone who's had experience with computer before can participate. And don't worry if you're not familiar with the sound editing program, Heart and Soul will provide basic training in editing. So if anyone is interested in helping out our ministry, please contact us at 602 866-8999 Thank you! There are people who gave up their lives in honor of Christ who gave us our everlasting life. Continued is the story of the many people who endured their life with faith titled The Voice of the Martyrs.
5: Hello listeners, this is Brian Winston with the Voice of the Martyrs. We have mentioned throughout the series that the reason Christians are not worthy of this world is because Christians do not find this world valuable. Because they do not see the value in this world, they find no hope in it. What is hope? Hope is a belief that something will happen in the future, even if there is no evidence right now. Romans 8.24-25 through 25 says, for in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. The Bible states that hope is invisible, therefore hope always comes with patience and waiting. Would we be able to persevere the weight of this world without the hope of heaven? What if the weight of the world is aggravated with persecution and oppression. Without the hope of heaven, we will not be able to persevere and wait. Many martyrs had this hope of heaven, which served as the source of their victory in times of persecution and oppression. The land of North Korea, the land of the world's worst dictatorship, also witnessed many people of whom the world was not worthy. North Korea has been ranked number one for Christian persecution for the last 10 years. An entire family can be arrested and imprisoned or even executed even if one person owns a Bible. For us, the Bible is so readily available and we exchange it as a holiday or birthday gift. We often find the Bible left on the counter or on a shelf covered with dust. For our brothers in North Korea, however, the Bible is as valuable as their own lives. Our brothers in North Korea only wish they could praise God out loud just once in their lifetime. Their greatest wish is to worship Him as loud as they can before they die. Compared to our brothers in North Korea, we may be guilty of undervaluing praise and worship. I wish that we would reflect upon how we deal with our worship and service. We hear several anecdotes of extreme oppression towards Christians in North Korea. One of them tells us about a mother and a daughter of whom the world was not worthy. Let's jump into their story.
6: That morning, the North Korean Communist Army arrested 25 Christians, including a Bible study teacher and her daughter. A mocking soldier ordered them to deny Christ. He told them that if they refuse to deny Christ, they will be killed. He was not joking. The Bible teacher, who was also a mother, shivered at first due to fear. However, she knew better than anyone that Christ is alive and found her strength in the Lord. The Holy Spirit calmed her and she refused to deny Christ. The soldier looked at her as if it was expected and began to yell at her again. With the cruelest smile on his face, he ordered her to deny Christ or he would kill her daughter. Her daughter, knowing that her mother loved her dearly, looked up to see her mother's face and held her mother's hand firmly. The Bible teacher looked down to see her daughter's face and told her daughter with a firm, peaceful voice, My lovely daughter, I will see you in heaven later tonight. The communist army dragged the 25 Christians to a road construction site and had them lie down in front of a rolled roller. One of the communist soldiers again ordered the group to deny Jesus' name But the Christians refused. The heavy roller began to roll and people began to praise God singing a hymn together. More love to thee, O Christ More love to thee Hear thou the Prayer I make, on bended knee.
5: What would be the worst thing that could happen to a person's life? Many people think that death is the worst thing that can happen. The world tries to scare us with death. For Christians, though, the worst thing that can happen to us is to be separated from God and suffer in hell eternally. What would be the best thing that can happen to a person's life, then? Many will say becoming rich, famous, or powerful. The world, therefore, tempts us with wealth, fame, and power. For Christians, however, the best thing that can happen is to stand before our Lord face to face. That is why for Christians, death means reunion with Jesus. For Christians, death brings joy. The story of the mother and the daughter who left this world in Goksan, North Korea, had a sad ending. Yet for the two, it brought a happy ending because they finally could be with our Lord. My lovely daughter, I will see you at heaven later tonight. This one line tells us that owned the hope of heaven. I wish we will all share the same hope. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you again next week. God bless.
0: The Bible tells us no matter what suffering and hardship was brought into Joseph's life, no matter what pain he went through, through every moment of it all, God was together with him, which led him to be successful in all that he did. What kind of successful life do we desire to live? A successful life in which the Lord is forever with us, or to live a successful life defined by the ways of this world? I would like to ask all of our listeners this question. Although we may not be able to see the end result and cannot comprehend or understand the circumstances we may be in now, God is working through every moment of our lives to fulfill His plan and reveal His will and glory. I hope that we may wholeheartedly believe and trust in God who created us and is to this day molding us to live for His glory. We will now wrap up Unity in Christ. Thank you for listening as it has been my pleasure. I hope to see you this time again next week and God bless.
1: My foes are many. They rise against me. But I will hold my ground. i will not fear the war i will not fear the storm my help is on the way my help is on the way